Nah, he won't be that guy. You know what? He could if if we really wanted to do it. Uh, if the United States wins the Gold Cup and they go over and do the Confederations Cup in 2017, I think we could take him for that. Yeah, maybe. Why not? Why not? Who cares about the Confederations Cup? Is he gonna play in a dress? <laughs> <laughs> Here's my question. You're gonna play a dress in some high heel shoes. <laughs> uh and he's still better than us. So <laughs> he's a gay one. <laughs> yeah. Edward. Edward. Yes. We need discriminate against him because he's a homosexual. <laughs> mm, discrimination is the best. I'm going to tell you, man, when it comes to discrimination, we do it as well as anyone here on the All New Sports Show. No, wait, crap, that's not our open. Never mind. No, it's really not our open on the All New Sports Show, the podcast. This is why we don't have nice things. Wrong open. Wrong open. That's that's the alternate universe open. My bad. That's our other podcast, which apparently we now have artwork for, or at least have the beginnings of artwork for, which I texted you today. I know, I saw that, I saw that, I looked at it, I, I have a few words I want to play around with, but other than that, I do enjoy it. Oh, fantastic. Well, you'll get to see that eventually, but everyone, welcome. Welcome to the all-new Sports of the Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for the next couple hours here on the show. I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCall Wes Bradshaw, producer Desmond McManus here in studio with us. Tremendous show for you here on episode 63. Uh, we're going to be talking plenty of soccer Touch a little bit on the Gold Cup, which is still going on in the final throws of group play right now in Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, which Wes will be in in basically a week and a half now. Yeah, all right, we will be discriminating the whole way. Oh, Wait, no crap, not discrimination. No, no discrimination. I'm sorry. Please excuse me, folks. I'm looking at my wrong notebook, apparently. Oh, this is a very different notebook. This is very embarrassing. It has a lot. It's very white. Um, we'll, of course, get to silly season news and notes. There's no subtext there. Uh, we have a lot of transfer news to talk about, and Wes is going to fill us in on so much, including the dearly departed Raheem Sterling. Uh, we're going to fill in uh, Barclays Premier League grades. We're finally going to do it for 2014-2015. Uh, we're going to do the bottom half of the table this week, do the top half of the table next week, because... About the week after that, it'll be time for our Barclays Premier League preview show. So, yay. Uh, we'll also hit some <laughs> baseball, some golf, hit the Zeit, uh, do Watch 4 and So Raw. Of course, this podcast is being presented to you by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. Uh, if you want to hit us up on the social needs, you can. Uh, you can hit up NGSC Sports on there. You can also get Twitter at All New Sports Show. Individually, we're at West Bradshaw 21 and at Edward Green. We're on Facebook with the All New Sports Show, Instagram with the All New Sports Show, YouTube with the All New Sports Show. We are going to start periscoping once we have something interesting to talk about in Periscope. We will do that. Check that out next Saturday. We'll probably periscope from Charlotte at least once or twice. And it's actually going through the All New Sports Show account now. So yay for that. Uh, you can email us, allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Lastly, you can mail us your letters or parcels 
or Magic Bullets to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. Wes, let us get down to the nittiest of the gritty, where we are in the final stages of group play here in the Gold Cup here in America. Uh, Mexico and Trinidad and Tobago. Mexico, very brave, taking on both at the same time. Uh, Their match is currently underway with Mexico a 1-0 lead early on in the second half. Uh, a win over Trinidad and Tobago will see them be group winners. They can do no worse than second if they either draw or lose. Uh, of course, that will greatly determine who their next match is, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. Right now, some other matches to talk to you about. Since we last spoke in Group A, Honduras and Panama played to a 1-1 draw, while Clint Dempsey bailed the United States out again with a 1-0 win over Haiti. And then uh, just earlier this week on Monday, it was Haiti 1, Honduras 0, and Panama and the United States tied 1-1 Michael Bradley with the equalizer on the 55th minute. Uh, the United States wins the group with seven points. Haiti finishes second with four. Panama uh, will advance from there with three points as the third place team. And finally, uh, Honduras is eliminated. Over in Group B, Jamaica wins the group after beating Canada 1-0 on a 92nd minute goal this past Saturday by Rodolf Austin and then beating El Salvador 1-0 with a 71st minute strike by Gareth McCleary. Very Jamaican name. Over uh, the other matches were Costa Rica 1, El Salvador 1, uh, Correa for El Salvador with a late equalizer, Dustin Correa, and then Costa Rica played Canada to a nil-nil draw. This saw Jamaica win the group. Uh, Costa Rica finished second with three points. El Salvador and Canada both had two. Neither one will be advancing. Finally, in Group C, uh, Trinidad and Tobago beat Cuba earlier 2-0. Guatemala and Mexico drew 0-0. And then today, Cuba beat Guatemala for their first win in the tournament on a 73rd-minute goal by Michael Reyes. And right now, as we said, Mexico is leading Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, if they win, they win the group. If not, TNT wins the group. Mexico will finish second. Cuba is going to finish third and advance from the group play. So that'll set up your quarterfinal matches here in the Gold Cup. Uh, on July 18th up in Baltimore, it will be the U.S. versus Cuba, as well as Haiti versus Jamaica. Those two will play off July 22nd in Atlanta. Uh, the bottom half of the brackets, what we're still waiting on, Panama is waiting to see who will win Group C. That will be Mexico if the score holds. And the Group C runner-up, which if the score holds, will be Trinidad and Tobago, will take on Costa Rica. Both those games July 19th in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Wes, um, being the Gold Cup aficionados that we are, um, I'm not sure we have too much to discuss on this besides really what has been a very lackluster tournament for the United States men's national team so far. I will say this, uh, being the aficionados we are, I actually have the Mexico TNT match on uh, whatever channel this is, Tele whatever, I don't know. Telemundo. Uh, Mexico has just gone up 2-0. Gotcha. In the 52nd minute. Um, and I got it. I turned it just in time to hear the goal. 
excuse me. Uh, the the infamous Mexican goal call, which usually lasts two to three minutes uh, without a breath. Um, so Mexico looking like they're in a good position to uh, go on and um, win and uh, advance out of their group. Um, I mean, Gold Cup, totally, it's what it is. Um, it's an absolute shock if anyone other than Mexico or the United States is going to win this thing. Um I think we're heading for most likely a collision course somewhere along the way, Mexico, USA. If it's in the final, it's in the final. If it's in the, um, you know, if it's in the uh, knockout stage, it's in the knockout stage. And whoever wins is probably going to win this tournament. Uh, for the United States, you know, this is always one of those tournaments. You know, Klinsman tries different things. He takes a core of his main guys with him. But then he kind of fills out around that core with uh, with some of the promising players, especially the guys. He's like, yeah, just I want to take another look at them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's it's a really good it's a really good um, I guess experience for the United States team to go and hey, if you can bring them some silverware, even better. Of course, Mexico playing this tournament without Chicharito Javier Hernandez, who uh, had an injury. That he picked up just before the Gold Cup started. So Mexico playing down that man right now. Did not impress coming into the tournament, but have since won uh, 6-0, drawn 0-0, and now are currently, as Wes said, up 2-0 on Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, And yes, if the... Well, no matter what, because they're on opposite sides of the bracket, uh, U.S.-Mexico can only be in either, of course, the final or the third-place playoff. Uh, Obviously, as a USMNT fan, hope it's the final. But one other bit of news, of course, that came out earlier today about the USMNT. Uh, Josie Altidore, one of three players coming off the roster going forward into the knockout stage. Uh, those coming in include uh, almost retired defender Demarcus Beasley. He'll be coming in to help shore up a back line that has been woeful at times this Gold Cup. But Wes, of course, the biggest story right now is Josie Altidore. Basically, Jurgen Klinsmann saying he's not fit, he's not ready to go. I don't think he meant that as disparaging as it sounds. Of course, Altidore coming into this tournament, uh, coming just off an injury rehabilitation program himself. But I have to agree with Klinsmann. After watching the U.S. matches so far, he hasn't looked good at all. And in fact, the U.S. only really has clicked when someone like Zardes or Johansson is up front for this team. I think my opinion by now is pretty well known. Yeah. On, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not a fan. No. I'm not a fan. I think he's very overrated. I think uh, Altidore has had some really good moments. But, I mean, he almost reminds me of a few of my Liverpool strikers from last year. You know, a couple of good moments can only take you so far. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to see a guy in form. I want to see a guy who's there to play every day. And it's not just oh well you know he'll he'll give you he'll give you one amazing goal every eight games that's not good enough for my number one striker so let's say you know I haven't been a fan anyway um, Klinsman I like the move by Klinsman it shows a little it shows a certain amount of ruthlessness from Klinsman that you know if you're not performing we're not going to keep you around. Right. And I think that could actually be a good thing for Altidore. I'm not saying Altidore doesn't have talent. I've never said that. 
I just thought he's never played to his talent. I think he coasts on his um, physical tools because he is a big, strong, fast beast of a player. But I think he, he way, way, way too much rests on his laurels. I don't think he puts in the proper amount of work. Um, I don't think he's ever really worked hard enough to become elite at what he does. Now, that's obviously weird to say because if you're play, if you're the number one for the U.S. men's national team and you play in the Premier League, you're obviously elite to a certain extent. Played in the Premier League, but fair point. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but, you know, this is a guy who it's almost like once he got in the Premier, Premier League, he's like, all right, I'm good. I've done everything I want to do now. Now I'll just coast on my on my natural ability. Um, <clears throat> so for Klinsman, I think it's a it's a great it's a great move. You, know, you go out, um, you know you. I mean, you take him off because, as you said, he hasn't really helped you in this tournament anyway. Um, if you're Klinsman, your best case scenario is, you know, the guys you brought in help you. And then uh, this is almost like a wake-up call for Altador, and maybe it kicks him into gear a little bit. Hopefully so that, you- hopefully that yeah. is the case. Uh, we will see again the United States next playing Cuba, July eighteenth. That is this Saturday up in Baltimore. If they can make it all the way through, they will be playing next Sunday in Philadelphia for the right to go to the Confederations Cup in 2017. If they win this tournament, they are automatically through. If they do not win this tournament, they will have to play a playoff match against whoever does win this tournament. Uh, You mentioned you'd be shocked if either the United States or Mexico does not win this tournament. Is there any chance Costa Rica can win this tournament? Uh, if anyone else, it'll probably be Costa Rica. Um, you know, they're coming off the Great World Cup appearance, so you know they've got to have some. Uh, they've got to have some. What's the word I'm thinking? They got to be confident coming mm-hmm. out of that. But I just think at the end of the day, the United States or Mexico should should win this tournament. Should should win this tournament. So sure. you know when. When Cuba finds a way to win now, I'll just hang my head in shame. It's okay. Uh, Hopefully it will not happen and we will not have another crisis involving Cuba. Uh, So we'll keep you updated on what's going on in the Gold Cup. Of course, by next episode, we'll have gotten, I believe, two of the results. uh, And we'll know whether the United States men's national team will be heading on to the finals. If I can just pull up that schedule again really quick here. Uh, Yes, actually... Uh, they will be playing that day in Atlanta. So we may be recording this podcast uh, while they're still playing. We'll see. Uh, Back now uh, to the silly season of European transfer news and maybe even a little American transfer news that's just coming today because this rumor mill and signing period can't stop, won't stop. Wes, let's take a moment uh, or two to just talk about one of the, the more emotional uh, transfers that we've had over the past week. And that is, of course, a man who is no stranger. You talk about uh, making your feelings known in Altidore. I think this is a man who we've made our feelings known about him on the podcast, but still have a healthy amount of respect for him. And that is uh, former Real Madrid and Spanish goalkeeper Iker Casillas, who is leaving to go to Porto. Um, and he's going to leave despite having joined uh Real Madrid and being part of them since 1991. Uh, Casillas <laughs> won five Liga titles and three Champions League titles 
with Madrid. Of course, he's had a recent dip in form, most notably in the Spanish uh, team for the World Cup last year, as well as with Real Madrid this season. Um, of course, he had a very emotional press conference last week, leaving Real Madrid. Even his mother chimed in thinking that she didn't want him to go to Porto. She even uh, said, I would rather him go to Barcelona because they are nice people there. Uh, so this is a very interesting um, set of circumstances going on. But Wes, just some, a few thoughts on um, Casillas going over to Porto. <clears throat> it, it's been a little weird. It's been a little sad. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is Iker Casillas. Um, you know, four years ago, he was the best keeper in the world. You know, when Spain were winning back-to-back European championships um, sandwiched around the World Cup, he was the best keeper in the world. He was the captain of the best team in the world. Um, arguably, Real Madrid, year in and year out, were one of the absolute top club teams in the world. So mm-hmm. this is a guy who was he was he was on top of everything. He was, you know, fan, just a fantastic keeper. And suddenly, you know, the form has dipped. Um, he was no longer the automatic first choice keeper for Real. Um, you know, he's just he's had some really not so good moments over the last few years. And then this comes up and, you know, you know, deep down, he did not want to leave Real Madrid. Right. Um, and it's always tough when a guy has to, when a guy basically is pushed out and it's against his will. And it's just, he's been there so long, as you said, 1991. And in 1991, I was in the third grade, I think. (laughs) I uh, I was in kindergarten, maybe. Yeah, I mean, so you know, I was I was like nine years old when the guy showed up. But that said, Iker was probably only ten or eleven himself. Yeah. He's not much older than I am. But uh, but you know, it was it was kind of, and then what just made it a little weirder was like you said, everything that went down around it. His mother speaking out basically against the club that he's going to, um, you know. It looked like the deal suddenly was off before it came back on. And then he had, you know, he had the really, really emotional um, press conference Mm -hmm. to say goodbye, which, you know, was a weird one because I don't think anyone from Real Madrid really went to it. Yeah. Um, And then they had that really maybe a little awkward, maybe a little uncomfortable moment where, you know, he went out on the field for the last time at the Bernabeu, Bernabeu, however you want to say it. Um, They had all the trophies that he had won in his time at Real lined up. It was supposed to be this big farewell. And when he got out there, there was like hardly anyone there. Hardly any fans were there. Yeah. And then when the fans did start showing up, Basically, it turned into like an anti-Perez <laughs> rally <laughs> where they weren't seeing they're cheering for uh, Iker Casillas. They're basically just chanting how much they hated Fiorent- you know, Florentine Perez, yeah, the uh, the president of Real Madrid. 
And, you know, it's like you see the, the images and there's Iker Casillas, you know, greatest keeper maybe ever for Real Madrid. He's out on the field waving and you know, kind of saying goodbye. And it's almost like nobody gave a crap. Yeah. But, but you know, that's, that's the fickle nature of football fans. And this is not to insult Real Madrid fans. I'm not going to go there. Obviously, Real Madrid fans, though, they, they're kind of like – they're kind of like New York Yankee fans. And this is not a, I'm not really trying to dig at teams. I don't like but They're kind of like New York Yankee fans. Um, you know, they are fans. A lot of them are fans when it's convenient mm-hmm. because they are the biggest club. They're, they're the biggest club in the world. I don't care what anyone says. They're the biggest club in the world. Um, they have the most money. They spend the most money. Uh, Yep, Forbes came out today actually with their list of yeah. uh, most profitable, or not most profitable, but highest net worth clubs, and they are number one in the world. And have been for a good while. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you've just got to think a, a different fan base. I mean, if this was Barcelona, yeah, I believe, you know, those fans would have been wishing him a fond farewell. If it was Liverpool, I'm going to tell you, man, you know, take out the whole Sterling deal. If this had been Liverpool, where this guy had been our great captain, I mean, it's just, I mean, God, look at Stevie. Yeah, James. I was just about to say, we saw this like three yeah. months ago. I mean, yeah, I mean, we saw this with Stevie. I mean, you know, Stevie was worshipped on the way out. You know, we thanked him for literally everything he did over and over and over. Um, you know, if this was Man United, you would have to think. If it was Atletico Madrid, somewhere, you know, just somewhere like that where it's not Real so much. You know, you would have to think that he would get a great sending off, but instead, here's this guy who's giving you everything for God twenty plus years, and at the end of the day, you're just like, okay, well, you're not helping us win right now, so bye. <laughs> so I just I thought it was kind of a awkward, kind of sad farewell for 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 what truly is a Real Madrid legend. Absolutely. One of the best goalkeepers in the world, as you said, uh, goes off very unceremoniously to most likely, I'd say, end his career over in Portugal. Um, to you never a t- know. He, he, uh, he, he may decide to take the MLS challenge. <gasps> Beautiful. To a team, now we go to an England that has a keeper currently, right now, as we speak, it may change the next 45 minutes, uh, that Real Madrid wants to replace Iker Casillas with. And that is Manchester United and David De Gea, but we're not going to talk about De Gea just yet. We're going to talk about the people in front of De Gea, which last year were mostly atrocious. Uh, now, in one fail swoop this week, they managed to bolster their back line with some of the most fun names in the world to pronounce. Bring me the Schweinsteiger! Bastian Schweinsteiger comes over from Bayern Munich uh, on a three-year deal. Uh, one thing I thought that was kind of interesting uh, that the FC Bayern Twitter feed posted out uh, during the press conference for it, uh, Bayern CEO Karl Heinz Rummenigge uh, said, quote, Bastian wants to do something new at the end of his career. He asked that we meet his wishes. I didn't realize he was going to MLS. Um, but, um, shh. <laughs> 
that's, uh, that's kind of just one of those like subtle digs as well, yeah. I think. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, but Schweinsteiger was not the only one to come over. The raid of Southampton continues. Uh, United will be getting midfielder Morgan Schneiderling. Uh, he is going on an initial four-year deal with United. And this was, uh, of course, coming just minutes after the official announcement of Schweinsteiger. So, Wes, all of a sudden... A, a very weak spot of this team has sort of almost kind of become its strength a little bit. And I'm really disappointed about the Schneiderlin one because uh, now I'm going to be forced to sell him on FIFA 2014. <sighs> I'm sorry. Uh, he's been a mainstay in my – it was actually Ed, the first player I went out and bought in my reign as Liverpool uh, owner. Why would you not? Oh, love I love, uh, love Morgan Schneiderlin. I always thought he was, I mean, he is the linchpin of Southampton. He's fantastic. And now he's in his third season for me, for my Liverpool, and now I'm going to have to sell him in the offseason because I can't have any dirty manks playing for me. Poor poor digital Morgan Schneiderling will have no idea why he's having to leave the cop. He's like, God, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm going to have won three uh, Premier Leagues. Why do I have to leave? Because in real life, you wouldn't be United. Um, Manchester United have been guilty, sadly guilty, for years at this point. And this goes back to the Sir Alex Ferguson days of horribly neglecting their midfield. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always, oh, we're getting a striker. We're getting an attacker. Oh, we're going to get a defender. No, you need center. You need central midfielders. You know, it's like they never wanted to replace Giggs. Mm-hmm. They never wanted to replace Paul Scholes. They didn't want to replace Beckham, of all people. You know, Michael Carrick has been really, really good. Don't get me wrong. He has been very good. But he has needed help for so long. And to this point, really over about the past five years, the best they brought in is Fellaini. Yeah. Ugh. Now you go, you bring in, well, let's start with Schneiderlin, who I think is one of the most underrated players in the Premier League right now. And that's only because that many people don't pay attention to Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, he He's the one who just terrifies me of this. Um, I'm, I'm not happy with Schneiderlin going yeah. to United at all. You know, I was I was content with, oh, just let him go to Chelsea or let Arsenal or somebody buy him. Just, just no, not United. Of all people, not United. Um He's he's going to be really good. He's a French central defensive midfielder just coming into his own right now. Mm-hmm. So he's legit. Great signing. Schweinsteiger. That's going to be the interesting one. That That is kind of like the X Factor signing here mm-hmm. for Man United. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if we exactly know what we're going to get from Bastian Schweinsteiger. We know that he's a guy who has lifted the World Cup. Mm-hmm. He has lifted the Champions League. He's won many Bundesliga titles and many uh, domestic German trophies. Um, on his day, he has been one of, if not the best central deep line midfielders in Europe. Um, he's he's a guy sort of like Iker Casillas that we talked about, who, uh, you know, one club guy his whole life came up through the Bayern Munich system. Um, and now moving on, he, I believe he's 31 years old. 
for a central defensive midfielder, he could still have a few good solid years left. Bundesliga is about as close to the Premier League as you're going to get in terms of physicality. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think you're going to have a huge adjustment there. Um, biggest thing for Schweinsteiger is going to be he's got to stay healthy. He's had problems doing that the last few years, and that's kind of why he became expendable at Bayern Munich mm-hmm. because I mean, he, just, he couldn't stay healthy. Um, I believe United, I mean, basically what they did – Schneiderlin's a different central defensive midfielder, but you've almost bought like two central defensive midfielders here. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, Schneiderlin or uh, Schweinsteiger likes to play so deep. I mean, have you almost bought one like for the now and then you have his, not even so much his ready made replacement, but the guy who's going to probably just take all of his minutes when he leaves? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, I don't dislike what United did. Don't get me wrong. I don't dislike it. Um, it's just a little strange. And I don't think they're done either. Oh, um, no. Talk out there of uh, Sergio Ramos. I don't believe that's going to happen. Just because I think Sergio Ramos is going to be the new captain at Real Madrid. Yes. Um, I don't think he's leaving. Uh, there, there's talk. The talk has popped up literally today that um, they're about to go in for Benteke. Oh, I had I had heard he was not going anywhere. Well, of course. Well, you know, as the manager, of course, Tim Sherwood's going to say he's not going not anywhere. True, <laughs> because that means oh, well, you're going to pay thirty two and a half million for the buyout clause. <laughs> um, the rumor has been Liverpool for a couple of months now. I'm not totally sold on Benteke personally. If we get him, great for us. You know, hopefully we can make him into what we need. Um, I would personally like to go a few different options than Benteke, but it looks like today United's jumped on Benteke. Here's the thing. Robin Van Persie left. He's gone to Fenerbahce. Yes. And that was not a very uh, amicable no. farewell. Not really. <laughs> uh, he and um, apparently he and uh, his uh, compatriot Louis Van Hall um, not exactly seeing eye to eye. Not exactly seeing eye to eye. So, uh, you, you know, Van Persie gone. Right now, you're only two strikers at uh, Manchester United. Well, I guess they still got Chicharito under contract. So, Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of talk about Chicharito leaving. I mean, you have Rooney and you have, um, what's he MSA? I believe it's Adam Wilson. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't remember what his name is. Um, so United are definitely not done. There's, there's going to be movement coming in. They still have plenty of money to spend. Um, so, I mean, it would not shock me if they jumped in on Benteke. Of course there's, uh, I mean, if they want to rule, if they want to trigger that release clause, they, they can drop 32 and a half million right now. Yeah. And of course there's been more uh, news coming out of United just in the last few hours. Um, they are closing in uh, to releasing Angel Di Maria, who has not been great since about the second half of the last Barclays Premier League season, to PSG. Uh, they're also talking to free agent keeper Sergio Romero because it's come out uh, earlier today that Louis Van Hall said that there is, quote, no place at Man United uh, for Victor Valdez. Quote, he doesn't follow my philosophy. So that's 
interesting <laughs> to say the least. Um, the greatest tweet, the greatest tweet that I saw back on that. Um, shouldn't a keeper's philosophy be stop ball, keep out of net? Yeah, I don't understand what else there is to it. I mean, unless you want to come down to distribution or placing. I mean, there's obviously more to being yeah. a keeper than just being a shot stopper. Um, I don't know enough about it to really go into but it. Valdez but Valdez isn't some weird sweeper keeper. He's your standard goalie. Well, and I wonder, too, how healthy Valdez is. You know, we have not seen him since he was injured at Barcelona. You know, really, really cool. you want to talk about somebody who it all just went to shit? Yeah. You know, he decides he's going to leave Barcelona, turns down the huge Barcelona contract offer, says he's going to play out his contract. About two months before said contract ends, tears his ACL, and we literally have not seen him since. Yeah. I mean, you just talk about somebody fluffing their lines. It's not good. Wow. I mean, just just insanity. Um but, you know, Valdez, Di Maria, I'm still of the wait and see on Di Maria. I do believe it's looking more and more like he may have the chance to go to PSG. Um, I, I'm just if, – if I'm United, unless he's begging to get out, I just – I don't know why you would sell the guy who a year ago was the Premier League record signing. I mean, it's not like – it's not like Di Maria is going to be a bust. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he just – he had a little downturn in fortunes. But I'd take in Hill Maria any day of the week on my team. I think just about any team in the world would. Um, so I believe if he leaves, it's because he has fought his way out of town. Very interesting. Um, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing the next one you're going to get to is uh, the David De Gea saga. Yeah, that's starting. Uh, it's come out now that Real Madrid have apparently put a deal in place with De Gea to take him on a free move next year. Or, if they don't, they'll pay him 5 million euros. And this is... I, I, I'm Granted, I've only been following soccer seriously in, the, in Europe for maybe three or four years. Wes, I've never even heard of something like this happening. Yeah, this is a weird one, man. But of course, this is you know this is the life of Real Madrid. I guess you can get away with this. Um, <clears throat> basically, De Gea has a year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. It looks like he wants to go to Real Madrid. Um, United wisely do not want to sell him to Real Madrid <laughs> because obviously, I mean, if you're United, if you if you uh, sell De Gea. I mean, you're already said today you're letting Victor Valdez go. Um, you know, so that's not just your number one. You're you're having to replace both goalkeepers at that point. Um, and you're talking about Sergio Romero, who's a free agent. I think Romero's a solid keeper. Romero ain't exactly going to light the uh, theater of dreams on fire, though. No, no. Um, of course. <laughs> You know, the, the, of course, there's always that rumor that uh, you you personally agree need to be looking over your back for Hugo Lloris. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. wow, I mean, that's turning that's turning crazy. Where basically they're saying, all right, yeah, we're going to go ahead and pre-sign you. Even though we can't actually pre-sign you. We're going to go ahead and do it. But then if we decide to change our minds, we're going to pay you an ass load of money just because we change our minds. I think part of that is them saying, this is our guarantee, so you do not sign a contract extension. 
Yeah, it's a very weird story. And and what makes it weirder is now Van Hall's tweets are and and speaking on Valdez today. You know, if there's a keeper he wouldn't have seen eye to eye with, I figured it would have been De Gea. But apparently that's not the case over at Old Trafford. So we'll have to see how this whole saga plays out. Still a lot of time left in this transfer window for something to happen. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see who the uh, the keepers are in each goal uh, as we start the season with Manchester United versus Tottenham at Old Trafford on August 8th. It'll be very interesting. Uh, some quick news and notes before we hit the last, I think, sort of big story of the week. Uh, Juve looks like they're going to accept Bayern's 40 million euro bid for Arturo Vidal. Uh, this has been uh, hotly rumored for a while now, and it looks like Bayern is going to get them. So out with the Schweinsteiger, in with the uh, Arturo Vidal. And I do, I do believe that's pretty much the replacement for yeah. Schweinsteiger. Um, Vidal will do well in Germany. He's combative. You know, he's he's high energy. He'll get after it. And, um, you know, last year, Bayern's midfield had their times where they look very sluggish. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, he is a completely different player than Schweinsteiger. I think it's a good I think it's a good move uh, by Munich to go in on a player like that. Uh, earning one transfer is going to be Fabian Delph. The captain of Aston Villa will be staying there. Manchester City came calling with their oil money, and he turned it down, saying, quote, I'm aware that there's been intense media speculation surrounding my future in the last 24 hours, and I want to set the record straight. I'm not leaving. I'm staying at the football club, and I can't wait for the start of the season and captaining this great football club. So that's when you know things are dire, when Fabian Delft is turning you down. Uh, also, Johan Caballé uh, coming over from PSG to Crystal Palace. He's coming over. Uh, well, he'd be reunited with his former manager, Alain Pardieu, also a Frenchman. He's not really French. I know that. Really good signing. Really good signing. Absolutely. It's about going to be, looks like it's going to be about 10 million pounds for Caballé. So very, I'll very. You, if, if things run smoothly for Crystal Palace, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Crystal Palace could be a team that I would not be shocked if they uh, if they made a push for Europe next year. Oh, absolutely! I think they could finish in the top seven if things went right for them. Absolutely. Um, yeah. In a bit more uh, keeper news, Asmir Begovic is going or Begovic is going from Stoke over to Chelsea uh, to take in the secondary goalkeeper position that is vacated by Peter Cech going to Arsenal. Uh, Begovic is going, uh, ending a five-and-a-half-year uh, term over at Stoke. Um, and now he's going from the number one to the number two position. Wes, we saw this kind of with Michelle Vorm last year going from Swansea as their number one to be Tottenham's number two. And Begovic, do, or Begovic doing the same thing again uh, with Chelsea here. I guess it's the payday, man. But oh, you're chasing much. titles, I guess. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I'll just I'll bring up Steven Gerrard. Sure. Obviously, obviously not on the same level here. But you know, I mean, would you rather? I don't know. I guess would you rather be the star of your team? That's a good team. Don't get me wrong. It's not like you're crap. You know, and maybe you don't win anything, but you you are a huge part of their success. 
I mean, or just go somewhere, sit on the bench, collect a check, and, oh, well, I won a trophy. Yeah, but you never played. Yeah. Um, He'll get his FA Cup run out. I mean, it's a fantastic pickup for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I think Begovic, I mean, I think Begovic is a top five or top six keeper in the Premier League. I mean, this is a guy who would probably walk into Liverpool and be the number one. Uh, before Czech would have walked into Arsenal and been the number one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, you know, I mean, if De Gea's on his way out the door, would have walked in at United and been the number one. You know, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, he's he, he's still, I think he's under 30. I believe you are right. If not, he might be 30 or 31. I just, I just find it very strange. To take that deal, uh, I'm trying to look right now. Seeing uh, 28 years old. I mean, he's just into his prime, and you're basically going to back up maybe the second or third best goalkeeper in the world in Courtois. Yeah. I mean, you're you, the only way you're playing is if he gets hurt, or you know, if they put you out for the Capital One Cup or something. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird story. It's a weird story. Again, we saw this. Uh, last year with uh, Michelle Vorm. So maybe there's just, maybe it's just a nice way to collect a paycheck, be the number two keeper. Not a lot of high expectations, not a lot of pressure. You get to play Premier League football, and, you know, who knows, maybe he'll be playing in the domestic cups, maybe even gets a run out in some Champions League matches, uh, depending yeah, on how Chelsea's like schedule said. breaks. Like they say in baseball, the best job in baseball is backup catcher. That's true. So. <laughs> really true. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever floats your boat, man. All right, uh, moving on to NMLS, uh, and actually some pretty big news. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos, the 26-year-old uh, player for El Tri, uh, will be coming over to the LA Galaxy. Uh, he's played in Liga MX for his career, uh, but is now coming over to the Galaxy to partner with Steven Gerrard, um, who I believe this week said he wants his name pronounced with the emphasis on on the uh, second part. So we are going to call him from now on Gerard. Um, Gerard. Love it. Um, as according to Galaxy coach Bruce Arena, who told the Times it's going to be a challenge for him. He's not been at a club yet where he's had those kind of responsibilities. And he's a community where he's going to be sought after. He's going to have to be mature about it. Not a top flight 1A international player, but Wes, this is a very, very good player who's now coming over to MLS in the prime of his career. Again, just 26 years old, scored 17 goals and 88 appearances for the Mexican men's national team. I think this is quite a get. And even though it's it's coming from Liga MX, I still think this is a good get for MLS. Well, it is because, I mean, you know, I think you, you kind of missed over a little bit. You know, Gio DeSantos... I mean, this guy, his youth career was spent with Barcelona. Yeah. He's played, he played for Barcelona. He played for your beloved Tottenham. He did. Uh, I mean, he played for Villarreal. I mean, this is a guy who's played for massive clubs in Europe. I mean, he came up through La Mastia, played for Barca B, played some for Barcelona. His younger brother's still in the Barcelona system. Um, yeah, I don't really understand this, but okay. <laughs> um, you know... He was a he was a hot shot teenager back in the day. 
you know, was supposed to be one of the hot European prospects coming up. Never really lived up to it. But, I mean, still at 26, I mean, he's he's a designated player, so he's going to get a big fat paycheck. Um, I, I mean, I, see, I can almost understand what he's doing much more than Begovic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think he may be leaving Europe a little too early, but he's coming and he's coming to play. Absolutely. He's going to get his minutes. And I apologize. I said he was uh, in Liga MX. He actually has not played in Liga MX. As you said, he's coming over from Villarreal. Had also had uh, loan spells uh, while at Tottenham with Ipswich Town, Galatasaray, and Racing Santander. Also played at Mallorca. Um, And with the men's national team uh, over Mexico, again, 89 caps, 17 goals. Uh, scored three goals in the under 23s, five goals in six appearances with the under 20s. Uh, this is a goal scorer, and again, another another stable in that LA Galaxy uh, thoroughbred farm that they how are many, just. How many of these um, designated players are you allowed? <laughs> yeah, there's some restructuring and whatnot. So, which we're, we still well, haven't, I think, figured out. I to have three, but maybe that's just old. Maybe it's, that's old news. It's L.A. Uh, last bits of uh, manager news. Uh, Fabio Capello is out <laughs> as Russian boss. Fortunately, I don't think he's been murdered yet. Uh, but a nice little cheeky headline here. Capello earned 1.2 million pounds for every win as head coach of the Russian men's national team. So good on you, Fabio. I want to say he was the highest paid national coach. National manager in the world. Yeah, earning around twenty point four million pounds for his three years in charge, and of course, this is a team that is struggling in Euro twenty sixteen right now to qualify, and is on the heels of again hosting the Confederations Cup, and then is going to of course be hosting the World Cup in twenty eighteen. West, this is this is again we saw the Dutch do it a couple weeks ago, and now Russia's doing it. Maybe they're just you know. Maybe he's just not that good of a national team coach. Maybe. This guy had a great club career, really underachieved for England. Um, Well, I guess you can't say him. England underachieved under his watch. We'll put it that way. Oh, yeah. And Russia are definitely underachieving. Um, I mean, this is definitely the time to do it. I mean, you're, you're a year out from, well, I'm sorry, you're three years out from hosting. You're a year out from the European Championships. You know, you're you're obviously going to be in the 2018 World Cup because you're the host. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Go ahead now. Just cut ties because it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. Go ahead now. Cut ties. Get the new guy in, and it gives him nearly a full cycle to get what he wants put in. So I think it's a good idea by Russia. Agreed. Uh, two contracts being signed up for Premier League managers. One already in, but he's going to get an extension for three years. And that's Gary Monk over at Swansea, who has done a very good job with the Swans. It'll see him stay there through at least the summer of 2018. Just 36 years old and was actually named August Manager of the Month this previous Premier League season. Eighth place is their highest finish so far. Uh, for the club in the Barclays Premier League and a club points record of 56. So a great job by Gary Monk uh, really bringing Swansea up to a formidable position. And on the other side, our favorite name to mispronounce, Leicester. Leicester City gets their man. Former Chelsea boss Claudio Ranieri is going to uh, take over after ostrich aficionado Nigel Pearson was let go by the club. The Italian returns to the Premier League uh, a little over a decade 
after he was fired by Roman Abramovich. Uh, and of course, as I saw on Twitter, somebody joke, uh, Chelsea fans, you'll know him as the coach that left the team right before you became a fan of them. But uh, <laughs> That's right. Well, he was, he was the original, he was the original, uh, Abramovich, uh, manager. Yes. And, uh, and then he wasn't good enough. So they fired him quickly. Uh, I mean, managed four years at Chelsea, 2000, 2004. I mean, he's, he's got a great resume, you know, Juventus, Roma, Atletico, uh, Inter, you know, was the, uh, was the manager when Monaco got all their money, uh, as of late was the, uh, was the head man for Greece. Mm-hmm. Didn't go well. How did, how, how did that work out? They, God, they were, they wanted him out worse than the, uh, than the European bailout. Ew, topical. Uh, he was actually let go after a home one, uh, one nil home defeat to the Faroe Islands. Uh, and I like this, uh, the FA chief in grief said, quote, afterwards, I take full responsibility for the unfortunate choice. Whoops. Yeah. So that's a really good, uh, yeah, that's a really good, uh, recommendation from your last boss, right? On the other hand, though, as uh, OptiJoe's Twitter feed points out, uh, only 10 managers in Premier League history have a higher winning percentage than Claudio Ranieri, which is at 52%. So we'll have to see if he's a better club manager than he is a national team manager. <laughs> well, that said, I mean, he was at Chelsea and they had money. So. True, true. <laughs> you know, come on, come on. All right, we're going to do our two teams now. Mine's going to be quick. Uh, hopefully, Hugo Lloris will be fit. Some people have said two months out with a wrist injury. Some have said two weeks, and he'll be ready for United to open the season. I have no idea what's going on. Some people have also said this is a way that he's going to go to Madrid. I don't know. You'll know more when I know more. It's, it's crazy. Uh, we've also uh, reached an agreement with PSG. It looks like to send Benjamin Stambouli over to there after just one season at the lane. Uh, Daniel Levy, the hardball player that he is, uh, wants the 6.5 million euro offer improved to 9 million euros before we let him go. So that's my news from the week. Hopefully by next week pod, we will have a resolution on the Stambouli signing. So Wes, let's, let's, let's take a minute and talk about Raheemster. Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling. He's now a part of Manchester City officially. The most expensive Englishman to ever go to another club uh, with a £49 million deal. Uh, This has been an ugly, messy divorce. Uh, And I loved the uh, tweet you sent me today. Uh, The the air quotes letter that he sent out. It was uh, fantastic. Sadly, it was... Very tongue in cheek, but not altogether inaccurate. Yeah, I hope Eddie Ward does enjoy his new gold teeth. <laughs> yeah, man, it was you know, in the last six months, it's been moments of God. You've got to get rid of this some bitch. To you know, no, no, you know, he if 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 we just hold on to him, he'll come around and he'll go. No, he made it clear. Yeah, he did. When the guy started calling in sick last week. <laughs> Because you know, we're calling in sick to practice now. He made it completely clear that he wanted out, and keeping him around was going to do nothing but just cause problems. Um, so at the end of the day, Liverpool did what they had to do. They got rid of him. The best part of this entire story 
is that with no one bidding against them and a player who was basically saying, I would rather sit out than play Liverpool somehow still got 49 million pounds out of Manchester. What did I text you on Saturday? I said, leave it to Liverpool to bleed Man City dry when they were bidding against themselves. Uh, <laughs> and literally Liverpool said, you know, we're, we'll take 50 million and nothing else. I think we'll be very happy with the 49 million. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, so Sterling goes the other way. Yeah, now I'm not going to be one of those people – you know, there were a lot of a lot of uh, Twitter people that I saw. You know, when you get fans who are so emotionally involved and things start going against them, obviously they start saying shit. I'm not one of those people who believes that Sterling is going to go and will never make the first team at City. No, folks, when, when you say that as a Liverpool fan, when you say that, you're basically talking shit about your own club. Yeah. No, the kid is phenomenally talented. I mean, he is, he is easily, you know, as he was just named, he is by far one of the top young talents in Europe, not just England, in Europe. He has a ton of tools. Yes, now those tools do need to be refined. Um, I worry for him a little bit, not personally worry anymore, but you know, yeah. <laughs> just worry for his skill set. I worry for England, and I'll put it that way. There you go. Um, I want to know if he's going to receive the patience and the time that he would have received at Liverpool. Is he going to receive that from Man City? Because when he was at Liverpool, he was on 35,000 pounds a week. Everything he did for us was gravy. Everything was, I mean, we were getting so much more than a 35 million pound player. It it wasn't funny. Right. Now he goes and he has, he has the crown on him. Most expensive English player ever. Um, 49 million pounds. So now suddenly you're a 49 million pound player. You know who Man City has who were not 49 million pound players? Who's that? Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. David Silva wasn't 49 million. Uh, Aguero was not 49 million. Uh, basically, I don't believe there's anyone on their squad who was a 49 million pound player. No. So suddenly you're the most expensive player on the squad. They're paying him 200,000 pounds a week. And, that's a lot. you know, it's what he wanted, though. And that's what he wanted. That's what he wanted. But now you have expectations. Where at Liverpool, you are our knight in shining armor. Mm-hmm. At City, you're the new guy who better come in and fucking find a way to score with your asshole. Yeah. <laughs> because we're paying you 200,000 pounds a week, and we paid 50 million pounds for you. Um, we will. It, it remains to be seen if he is going to be able to stand up to that kind of pressure. Because not only is he the future of England, he's now monetarily the future of Manchester city. Oh yeah. Um, and, and we have seen from city city are kind of their, their Chelsea junior. They demand results or they will, they will get rid of you and they will find someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for Sterling's sake, he better hope that he hits the ground running. Best thing that can happen for him is to get a goal, maybe a couple of assists early in the season, just kind of get people off his back. 
But if it's November and he's not on the score sheet, people are going to be screaming, what the hell did we pay all this money for him for? Even though that said, he's still 20 years old. Yes. You know, obviously his best years should be in about three years. Starting in about three years should be his best years. But, you know, um, sports fans in general, I'm not even going to say soccer or football fans, sports fans in general, not exactly the most patient lot in the not world. No. Especially when they hear about how good you're supposed to be. Yeah. They expect you to be that good now. So, uh, you know, Raheem, Raheem, you'll never walk alone. You were a red. You'll always be a red. You're not going to get a very good reception anytime you ever come back to Enfield. Yeah, I doubt it. Um, you know, you're not quite Michael Owen. But uh, but you 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 have committed treason. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's gonna be interesting, man. You know, I wish him, as I said, for him being the future of England, I wish him well on that. But uh, we'll see, man. It is it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be fun. Um, and I don't actually know offhand when they first meet up this season over at Anfield. Uh, I'm sure it will be a raucous affair there. You know, the, the English football fans, very, very polite group. Very, very nice. Very poli- forgiving. Yeah, very. very forgiving, right? <laughs> yes. But they love nothing more than just making you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, as a way of transitioning from one story to another, part of this deal for Sterling sees Queen's Buck Raisins uh, get £9.8 million from this, uh, as that was Sterling's former club. So yay for them. Um, this th- There might be something in there where... Um... I've actually heard something where they might go in and actually uh, negotiate that fee down. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it could be something about, uh, you know, some future things that Liverpool could do or Liverpool or Man City could do for uh, could do for QPR when it comes to some prospects, maybe having, you know, first right of refusal on some mm-hmm. future prospects, something like that. I would be surprised though if QPR got that full amount. We will see. Uh, they because they need money. They because they love to spend some money, and unfortunately, <laughs> that money in the newly promoted Premier League ty- uh, standing that they had got them a solid dead place finish, uh, dead last in the 2014-2015 <laughs> Barclays Premier League, and got relegated right back down to the Skybet Championship. Uh, we're gonna go through uh, because. The bottom half has a few more, just eh, whatever teams. We can go through this a little bit quicker. We're going to give out Premier League grades for each team based on how they did in the 2014-15 season. This is not going to take into account what's happened over the transfer window, really. Uh, we're going to wait for the preview, Not going to, that we're going to go through every team in our preview. But uh, let's just go through some of these teams. Uh, Wes, let's start with QPR. 30 points, uh, 8 wins on the season. Right back down to the uh, right back down to the championship. Good old Ari Redknapp leaves uh, midway through the season, citing knee damage or something, or just sick and tired of these people. Uh, what grade are you? What, yeah, yeah, something like that. What grade are you giving QPR? Uh, QPR, they've got to get a D minus. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't great. We knew they weren't going to be great. But, you know, the thing about QPR is QPR put money. They actually put money into this they thing. They put a lot of money in. They put a good amount of money in. Obviously, it was not 
well-spent money. No, they got Rio Ferdinand, and that didn't help. Yeah. yeah you got him the absolute wrong year. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they, they are the classic example of throwing money to try to fix problems. Um, they did have a bright spot. You know, Charlie Austin had a good season. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Charlie Austin sticks around mm-hmm. or if uh, he ends up in a Premier League squad. By the way, in March 1st, Manchester City at <sighs> Anfield. Oh, we got to wait so long. March 1st. March 1st. Um, so QPR, definitely, definitely. They're, they're getting a bad grade. Um, the only reason I'm not giving them an F just a straight up F is because I don't think we really expected much out of them anyway. True. And you know, you could have gotten good odds that they would have gone right back down anyway. So Absolutely. Yeah, whatever you get a D minus because we were indifferent towards you to start with. Yeah. We, we picked you to finish last or, or at least I did and not, not stay up. So yay for meeting our expectations. You get a D for me. Uh, yeah. you, you just threw way too much money at that problem and none of it worked. Uh, <laughs> I think a team we might feel slightly different about though. 19th place was Burnley, uh, 33 points on those seasons. Sean Dyche's men, uh, made a good run of it. Danny Ings was a sensational player for them. I uh, now will be looking to hone his craft at Liverpool. It looks like seven wins out of 38 matches for the Clarets, uh, but could not stay it up. Did provide us with some great moments though. Beat Manchester city at home. Uh, and really that effectively ended the title race. It looked like, but still Burnley goes down Wes, I am going to give them a C. Uh, they showed a lot of fight, a lot of spirit, way more than QPR wanted them to stay up. But at the end of the day, they just quite frankly, weren't good enough. And when you score only 28 goals in 38 matches, you're not going to stay up. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be a little more harsh. I'm going to give them a C minus. Okay. And my reason was at, at new year's, you knew what your problems were. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't have to go break the bank or go on a shopping spree, but one or two good signings could have really helped pull you out of that bottom. And Burnley basically just stood pat, knowing they didn't have it. I think they knew they didn't have enough to stay up, but I don't. I see they didn't want to spend any money, um, and I think that's a little inexcusable. Uh, Danny Ings on his way to Liverpool was a bright spot. Started off the year very well, but then he went through a cold patch. Um, he just, God, I mean, there was no one to get him the ball. No. <clears throat> Ings could score 15 goals for Liverpool. Right now, right now, a bunch of people will say, oh, he's crap. He only scored like nine, 10 goals last year. Yeah, but, you know, suddenly when you've got Coutinho and Lalana <laughs> getting you, and Firmino getting you the ball. He scored 30% of to, their goals. Yeah, I mean, as compared to name anyone on Burnley other than <laughs> Danny Ings and maybe Kieran Trippier. Yeah. Um, you know, other than those guys, yeah, I think you somewhat get a pass on that. So, um, you know, I just, I I hate it for Burnley because I liked, I kind of like Burnley's style. You know, they were a little swashbuckling. They went after you. They played hard as hell, but you know, the other day they just didn't have enough. And I I just feel they could have done more to help themselves. 
Burnley, a poor man, Southampton, who gets raided by Tottenham and Liverpool at the end of the season. Of course, Tottenham picking up Trippier uh, just a few weeks ago. The last team relegated was Hull City, who just had their name change request rejected <laughs> by the FA, wanted to become the Hull Tigers. It was rejected in a 70-30 decision. Uh, so, Wes, uh, they were uh, eliminated on the last day of the season. Uh, big Steve Bruce's men go down to the championship just after two years of being up. Uh, again, only eight wins and a minus 18 goal differential for, well, we still can still call them in jest, the Tigers, I guess. See, I give Hull, I give Hull an F. Yeah. I give them lower than QPR. Is this a team you were back up for the second year? You know, here's the deal in the Premier League. You survive your first year back. And then in the second year, you've got to try to strive to move forward a little bit just to try to get yourself even farther away from the drop zone. A team that we will not talk about this week, but next week, who did just that, is Crystal uh-huh. Palace. There you go. Um, but now, I mean, you know, if you look down the roster for Hull, and I mean, this you can't always go by this, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's a lot of guys that we've heard of. You know, I mean, Yelovich, thing, you know, yeah. you're looking, I mean, Yelovich, uh, Huddleston, uh, Livermore, when he's not completely coked out of his mind. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, this is a team that, shit, they beat Liverpool. Yeah. For what it's worth. Um, <laughs> you know, Steve Bruce, Steve Bruce just, they should have done a better job than this. They should have avoided relegation. They, then late in the season, they had their chances. And they just totally crapped the bed on numerous occasions. So I have no sympathy for Hull. Um, and then they just, the F is submitted by the fact, why are you trying to change the damn name? Don't call them fucking Hull Tigers. What is this? Freaking, you know, six-year-old soccer in Greenville or something? Basically. I mean, give me a freaking break, man. You've been Hull City for decades, forever. You've been Hull City. Leave it. But no, whoever the the owner, God, what's his name? Sam Alam. Yeah, we saw him a lot last year. Yeah, didn't see him as didn't hear or see from him as much this year. But last year, I mean, he was all over the place. You know, I'm all he all he wants to do is monetize, mm-hmm. and I understand you're in a business to make money, but you know, you don't flush tradition down the crapper just just to make all your fans have to buy new crap. Yeah. That's just really, yeah. really cheap. Really cheap. Just, really make a, cheap. just make a really subtle change to your jersey and say that it's your new home kit. <laughs> I love our new <laughs> away really? kit. Um, so, yeah, F for the same reasons, all the same reasons as you just mentioned. Uh, first team out of the drop zone is Aston Villa. 38 points on the season under Tim Sherwood, who took over midway through. Uh, Aston Villa, of course, made it to the FA Cup final, where they lost to Arsenal. Uh, But that run almost cost them their spot in the Premier League. Wes, what grade are you giving Aston Villa? I'm giving them a C-. minus. No, screw that. I'm giving them a D plus. And the only reason I do that, yes, they survived. But this is a team that should have been better. Yeah. They've got they've got some horses on that team. Um, un, now I'll say under Tim Sherwood, I probably I'm upgrading them from the D. I'm upgrading them to about a a good solid C plus under Sherwood. Um, he finally started figuring out how to get how to get something out of the players. Um, the biggest decision Sherwood made about five six seven games into his tenure 
was, man, I've got this precocious youngster on the bench named Jack Grealish, who for some reason the guy before me wouldn't play. I'm going to play him. Really good things started to happen after you put out the future superstar, (laughs) who I do not believe will be at Villa past about the next two seasons. Jack, uh, Jack Grealish is a star in the making. Will he play for England? Will he play for Ireland? I've got to think if he's held out this long on Ireland, he's probably going to go play for England. Um, I mean, this is a kid who has so much potential. Uh, as long as he doesn't pass out in the streets on vacation anymore, yeah. uh, he'll be doing okay. But once he was unleashed, while he didn't score any actual goals this year, his movement, his uh, ability to pick out great passes, it, it's just it's it's not a coincidence that suddenly Ben Teke came alive mm-hmm. once Jack Grealish started kind of running the entire offense. Absolutely. Uh, Sunderland uh, in 16th place. Uh, they stay up thanks to a Premier League leading 17 draws, drawing almost half their matches. That's five more than the next closest, which was Burnley. Uh, they get rid of Josie Altstor. They got rid of Gus Poyet. And somehow, someway, the Black Cats stay up again, Wes. I'd give them a solid C. Because a C, uh, to me, the C is the most boring of all grades. And that's what they are. And Sunderland was the most boring of all teams. 17 draws. Woof. Um, And they were a team, they went out looking for draws. Uh, Sunderland have made a lifetime now out of staying up, staying just above the relegation zone. They keep getting the money. They never really go out and try to improve that much it's almost like every summer their dealings are just okay we we need to do enough to stay in the premier league right and that's what we're looking to do is just enough to stay in the premier league you know at least for them this year they didn't have to have any miracle escapes um you know they were solidly in that bottom half the entire year but they never really got too far down or too far out of it um, I mean, they're just they're just one of those teams that you're you're a little bit indifferent to at this point. So uh, I give you a C, Sunderland, and God, let's see if we can do anything more exciting this year. They'll try. I doubt they will. Fifteenth uh, place was Newcastle. They escaped relegation on the last day of the season, finished with thirty nine points. Of course, they also got rid of their manager, uh, Alan Pardew. Midway through the season, I bet they're regretting that now. Newcastle had highs. They were the first team and one of the few to beat Chelsea in the Premier League this season. They also had lows as John Carver took over and almost ran this team right out of the Premier League. Uh, Wes, it was a turbulent season for Newcastle. They ended 15th place. What are you giving them? D minus for Newcastle. I, I mean, thought you'd go F. It, do I? I thought you'd go F. No, I'm gonna give them, I'll give them a D minus just because they stayed up. Yeah, all right. Just because they stayed up. Um, they found that win on the last day of the season. I mean, here's the deal. Your first massive mistake was getting rid of Pardue. Yeah. Or, or even letting Pardue leave. You know, and then just basically trying to force the guy out. Mike Ashley, you're brilliant. Um the next thing was to basically install the interim manager who then just didn't win you a game for about two months. 
And literally the only reason that Newcastle stayed up was because, as we mentioned earlier, Hull blew their chances to pass them. Yep. Multiple times. Hull just blew their shots. And Newcastle, yes, they had to go out and get a win on the last day of the season. They did. Good for them. But, uh, I mean, as underwhelming as anything we've ever seen and just – you want to talk a grease fire in the Premier League? You've got one right there, buddy. Yeah, it was really, really bad to see. A really great group of supporters going through a lot of hard times. Although we keep calling them great supporters. Don't know if we can really call them that anymore after they were basically part of the reason that they got rid of Alan Pardew. They're loyal. We'll give them that. They're loyal to the uh, to the badge. There you go. Uh, 14th place was Leicester City, who have now gotten rid, of course, as we mentioned, their coach. Uh, but they do stay off. They pulled off an amazing feat. Last place for most of the season. They rose from the ashes to win 11 matches, got 41 points on the year, and they stay up. Wes, what grade are you giving Leicester? Uh, give them a B plus. Yeah. Um, can't give them an A. Because they had themselves in a position where they had to do what they had to do. But, I mean, when, when you're basically dead in the water and you're basically left for dead by everyone, mm-hmm. and they went on a run like they went on, which was just fantastic, um, you've, got to, you've got to congratulate them for that. You know, this is a team that came into the Premier League. They were, they were not prepared for it. They knew they weren't prepared for it. And unfortunately for them, they just didn't have much that they could do. Yeah. Um, the signings they did make, though, turned out to be good ones. Um, and, I mean, as you said, they survived. And they survived not just by the last day of the season. I mean, they had already – Oh, yeah, they were comfortable. They had already achieved their survival. And this was a team that was dead last with many games between them and 19th. And they found a way, and that's that's amazing. And I, I absolutely hate the shit that's happened in the off season. Yeah. Unfortunately for Lester, I can now see them as a viable candidate to go back down. Mm-hmm. Um, just because all that upward momentum they had has suddenly just stopped dead in its tracks. Right. So I mean, we'll talk about that obviously in the preview in a few weeks. But uh, for this season. Man, give them a B-plus. They did a great job to survive and survive by a few. Next two will be a pair of Western teams. Uh, 13th placed West Brom Albion, another team that kind of was hovering around the drop zone for large parts of the season, forced them into getting rid of Neil Warnock. In comes uh, their savior, who has now done it two years in a row, Tony Pulis. Uh, He did it last year with Palace. This year, he revives West Brom. Uh, of course, they had that big win over Chelsea after Chelsea had already won the title. Uh, but it's a fairly all right season for West Brom uh, once they got comfortably out of the drop zone with Pulis in charge. Um, I'm going to give them a solid C plus, man. Um, and I think just the whole fact that they were smart enough and ambitious enough to go get Tony Pulis. Mm-hmm. Not only, not only you know, did it for them for this year, but I mean, they basically guaranteed their survival for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, Pulis is a guy who he's not flashy. You know, it's not going to be a high-scoring team. After a while, people are going to get tired of it just because they're going to be a little bored. 
Yeah. But uh, you'll stay up. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, and and when you're West Brom, that's what you're looking for. You're looking to stay up. So I give him a C plus, and a huge part of that was just the hiring of Tony Pulis. Understandable. Twelfth uh, place was West Ham. Uh, they also uh, they got forty seven points in the year. They qualify for Europa League through fair play. So yay for that. Uh, Steve Bruce's uh, sorry uh, Sam Allardyce. His last year in charge. They're all both large men, Wes. Uh, West Ham with 12 wins on the season. Uh, They're staying up, but just while challenging early on the season, they just kind of faded over the course of the Premier League season, and they kind of just settled comfortably into that tie for 11th place on points, 12th on goal differential. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give them, uh, for the first half of the season, we're going to give them a B. Mm -hmm. For the second half of the season, we're going to give them a D. So we're going to grade them out. I'm going to grade them out of a C plus. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to kind of take the difference and then give them a little boost. Uh, um, West Ham, I believe they would have been a little better. They had some big-time injury problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, as I learned at Liverpool, anyone who depends on Andy Carroll, that's not a good thing. <laughs> um, you know, they had injuries to Carroll, uh, Kevin Nolan, uh, Stuart Downing had a good season for Stuart Downing. Oh, well, no. Um, <laughs> I kind of had to draw my words on that. There you um, go. Once it, once it became apparent that Allardyce was not going to be kept on, mm-hmm. they kind of lost a lot of their impetus to go forward. Once, once they were safe, and they knew Sam wasn't coming back, the players really didn't have anybody to impress. Right. So you could see them just kind of visibly let off some. Um, I'm just, I always believe that West Ham is just literally this sleeping giant. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Just waiting to be awoken. I mean, they're in a fantastic location. They've got history. They've got, you know, I mean, they've just they've got a lot of things going for them. It's just I don't think they have the ownership group that's willing to really put it in and go after anything. But if the right uh, petrodollars ever decide to buy West Ham, <laughs> I mean that that could be one of those they they could be Manchester City. Yes, they could. Um, and they could do it too because they. I mean, you have London to offer. Yeah, being a London club would help. Yeah, as compared to Manchester. Yeah. So there's a lot to offer there. They just don't have the right people in charge right now to really push them that far. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go this season. Well, maybe if the PSG group wants to buy a Premier League team, they can buy them instead of Tottenham. Uh, going on to 11th place in our final team of the week, uh, Everton, Roberto Martinez's men, uh, played through Europa struggles. Uh, was really, really bad for a lot of this season. Of course, played in the highest scoring match of the season, a 6-3 defeat against Chelsea. Uh, Everton finishes with 47 points, uh, loses in the round of 16 in the Europa League, uh, did not make any significant runs in either domestic tournament. Um, just a very poor season after finishing fifth the year before West. You know, what they lost from the year before, yeah, I think we made the point, God, all the way back in the preseason. 
I, I don't believe I was very sold on Everton. No, you were not. Just because they had relied so much on lone players the year before. Mm-hmm. And also the year before, they had had kind of a perfect storm where they didn't have many injuries and things came together for them and they seemed to catch teams at the right time. It just seemed like a lot went right the year before. And I just felt that if it didn't go right exactly the same this season, they were going to take a step back. And that's what they did. Um, They spent big money on Lukaku, who quickly (laughs) seemed as if he lost interest. He's a contract year player. He was very disappointing. Very disappointing for the money they paid for him. He had his moments, but overall, overall that sucks for him, man. Um, I'm going to give him this. They have made they they have made a move this offseason. They brought back Jerry D. Yay. Denefeu, a guy who a couple seasons ago was really big for him. Um, so that's a good start. The problem for Everton is Everton are better than the lower. They're better than the bottom of the table teams, but they just they do not have the financial clout to compete at the top of the table. Mm-hmm. It has to be like the year before. It has to be a perfect storm where suddenly everybody is playing well and you're staying healthy and you you've hit on a couple of guys. You know, they had hit on a couple of guys the season before who didn't perform for them this season. Right. Um, I, I give them a C minus just because, you know, basically to me, I think Roberto Martinez, who the year before was hailed a genius. Yeah. The di- I think the difference in he and Brendan Rodgers, who also was hailed a genius the season before, <laughs> um, and both of them took immense heat this season. The difference in them, though, is Brendan Rodgers at least will try something different. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, I mean, he'll tinker with it until he can find something that'll somewhat work. Martinez has one style. And that's, you know, we're going to attack and, you know, hopefully our back four will hold up. And Tim Howard will be amazing. Well, Tim Howard was not amazing this year. He did not have a very good season. Um, and and they never they never adjusted, right? They never adjusted, and I think I think they were let down by their coaching. I think they were let down by some of their top players, but I just I really think they were let down by their coaching. So uh, I give them a C minus, and they they they're they're going to be under some heat this coming up season. Certainly, and that Martinez will start the season on the hot seat. They will not have European tournaments to worry about, though, in their quest to return to said European tournaments. They were, I believe they were very close to getting fair play, but made sure they got yes. a few yellow cards on the last day of the season. Yes, we appreciate that as Tottenham supporters. Um, real quick, about Europa League, West Ham did advance from their first round match, so they will be heading on. They beat Lusitanos over two legs, 4-0. Uh, they will be heading to the second qualification round, uh, which starts tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this now. Uh, they will they'll be playing the Malta side, Berkirkara, over the next two weeks to try and go to the third qualifying round. Sure. So, yeah, that's a thing. Um 
as we move on to another sport, we'd like to remind you that this podcast is being presented to you by NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com, where we never stop. I am Edward Green. That's Wes Bradshaw. Hi, uh, Hey. Now we're going to talk a little bit about baseball and a good but bad all-star break for baseball. Uh, a great home run derby. Uh, Todd Frazier, the local kid, won it. Uh, the Cincinnati hosted at Cincinnati Reds. He won it with the new format. Uh, did a great love job. The new format, love, 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 triple love the new format. Oh yeah, jo- defeated Jock Peterson, rookie from the LA Dodgers, fifteen fourteen in the final. We'll have more notes on that in just a second. Uh, drew record ratings. Did a great job. Generated a lot of positive buzz. And then the next night, the All Star Game, which was a good game. Uh, was one of the worst-rated All-Star games in history. Now, of course, a large part of that was with no Yankees or Mets in the starting lineup. New York markets were down 31% over last year when we had the retiring of the legend of Captain Jeets. Uh, so a, a a bit of a struggle. Still, Major League Baseball, one of the best-viewed All-Star games of the four major American sports, although that's not really saying that much at this point. Yeah. Uh, but, but Wes... I think obviously, while there's not, there still needs to be some tinkering with the All Star Game itself. We can't have it determine home field advantage. We got to find somewhere else to make it relevant. They they totally, t- completely reinvigorated the Home Run Derby, which, as you just said, you absolutely love. That was fantastic. And, you know, just listening to it when they were describing it, I was not. <clears throat> I was I was like, wait a minute, I, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah, me neither. But man, I mean, it, it totally started working when a, when the first guy hit a bomb uh, as time expired to win his round. Yes. I mean, as soon as you put that clock on it, it made all the difference because every pitch mattered. You know, it was no longer, oh, I'll just take till I get the pitch I want. And You know, I, I love the fact that it's not taking 10 minutes for everybody to hit anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's nice. the thing. That That is – what is the biggest complaint about baseball? My dad – my dad, of all people, was – Try, kind of giving me grief about baseball over the weekend when he said, yeah, they're talking about how slow it is. And it is. And that is the biggest kind of uh, complaint with baseball is, well, you know, it's slow pace, blah, blah, blah. Well, they found a way to kick the pace up. Oh, yeah, they did. For the All-Star, yeah, for the home run derby. <laughs> <clears throat> Obviously, you cannot take that into a regular game. No. Yeah, that's gonna have to. I don't know what they're gonna do with that, but for the for for the home run derby, I mean that was perfect because you now can basically take the home run derby, and you can tell me how long it's gonna last. Yeah, it's just like soccer. It, it is. It's like soccer, and for an American public that you know is pressed for time, you know, and have so many options. When I now know I'm not going to have to sit here for four hours <laughs> and just keep seeing the same thing over and over and just see a guy take 100 pitches, I mean, when you can condense it down in there, it made it exciting. The um, the overtime period made it exciting. Yes. I, the timeout, now the timeout, I kind of sit there and say, wait a damn minute. But if you are going to be timing this, I don't have a problem with the timeout. Mm-hmm. You know, guys were doing it anyway. Oh yeah. Oh. So yeah. hey, you might as well make it a strip. Why is might as well add it is and make it a strategic point. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm down with that. I just I loved it. It was great. I would have loved to have seen Bryce Harper in it. 
But it's what it is. I mean, none of those guys disappointed. And nope. here's the other thing. You didn't see anybody, you know, have a, have a real shit round. No, God, the, the lowest total was the very first round, Donaldson versus Rizzo, which was 9-8. Yeah, and I just I think when you're going head up like that, I think that changes it. Mm-hmm. I think that changes your mentality because, you know, I believe Donaldson led the whole thing off, or, or maybe you know, Rizzo led the whole thing off, mm-hmm. and he knew I've got to come set a precedent right now. Right. Because I'm going head to head. It's just me and this guy. You know, it's not, well, you know, I can finish fourth in advance. No, I've got to go. I have to go win. I have to win my round. I can't just finish in the middle. I have to win my round. Mm-hmm. And I really like it. I think it gave you a sense of urgency. Um, I was, I just, I totally, totally dug it. I was, I was 100% in on it. It was really, really fun to watch. The rules were a little confusing at first, but once players got the hang of it, uh, it really started to take off. Uh, though another thing I think that it kind of benefited from was the weather. Uh, the weather actually reduced it down to just four minutes instead of the five minutes that they initially were going to do it. So that that also helped a little bit. And you still had a ton of home runs. Uh, Pujols defeated Chris Bryant much the same way you were talking about earlier uh, on a last minute ball. So it was just. I, I think the weather. I think that I don't see how next year you go in and make it five minutes. I think you nope. just saw four minutes is perfect. It's a sweet spot, literally. I mean, basically, you have two minutes, and then you know you have a perfect timeout to take your break after two minutes, and then you have that flurry for the last two minutes, or however you want to break it up. But I, I think you, I think they would be stupid to add another minute. I think it was perfect this year. I will say one thing, and this is this is more from a production standpoint, and this is something I didn't like when I was first watching it. Um, huh? I felt like because oh yes, that's obvious. That goes without saying. The the because of the pace of it, especially because I actually came in watching Pujols' first round. That's when uh-huh. I entered, and because of the pace with which he was swinging, especially towards the end, trying to beat Bryant and get as many cuts in as possible. The the issue that the production crew was running into was they were they were cutting to where the ball was landing. And literally, he was already hitting the next pitch. And that's yeah. that's an issue. And with the way I think they're going to have to do it from now on, if this, this format continues, which I think it should, I think what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to go to a double box. Uh, whether that's like a three-quarters, one-quarters thing or a split screen or whatever, they, they, you're going to have to keep a shot on the batter and you're going to have to keep a shot on the field wherever the ball is going. Because cutting back and forth full screen, you're going to lose a lot of stuff. And, that's, and I think I think this year, I think this year I think they were going to work out the kinks. Right. I, I do believe that this format is going to be here to stay for a while mm-hmm. until we get tired of it and find a new format. Yeah. Even though I, I really think this could be one for the long haul. I mean, you know, it's head-to-head competition. It's great, man. It's, it's really, great, really you good. Know? And you know, another thing is. Something you run into, you know, everybody says, well, I don't want to do the home run derby. It messes with my swing, da, 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 da. I'm interested to see what these guys do in the second half because part of the problem with the swing is that I think every pitch in the past, every pitch has been, you know, I'm trying to put on a show with it. Mm -hmm. When you're on the clock, I think you're locking in because, you know, I have a certain amount of time. I just need to hit it out. You're running totally on instinct. As hard as I can, I just need to hit it out. Yeah. 
So I think the swings actually stayed a little more normal than what they do in a regular home run derby because it was more like a jacked up version of batting practice. Right. Oh, Instead of just, you know, oh, you know, I can I can hit this one and I can pimp it because it's 45 seconds till I hit again. You know, I'm just going, you know, I think the pace was so quick that it kept them in a good groove. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%. Uh, so hopefully they'll bring that back real quickly before we move on. Uh, Mike Trout was the All-Star Game MVP. Uh, a little a little interesting to note in his first four All-Star League uh, All-Star League All-Star Game appearances, he is now hit for the cycle in his first at bats. He's gone uh, single in 2012, double in 2013, triple in 2014, home run in 2015. This is, I think it's it's close between him and Bryce Harper. I, I think Trout has is still just a little better, especially with what he can do in the outfield. But man, this is this is we are seeing some great young talents, and the All Star Game I think was the perfect example of this. It's a shame not many more people are watching though. Wes, is there anything baseball can do to help the All Star Game like they help the Home Run Derby? Uh, just you know, right now. Here's baseball's catch twenty two. It is awesome to have the young talent. We love the young talent. The problem is the the ultra casual fan. I mean, there's there's no there's no Derek Jeter. There's no Barry Bonds. There's no Roger Clemens. And those were the guys who your mom and my mom knew. Yeah, because. They, they didn't watch baseball, but well, I know who Derek Jeter. I know who A Rod is. You know, we don't have those guys yet, but what we do have is a fantastic young group of talent. And I think if this cat talent continues to develop, Ed, you give us about three years, mm-hmm. and I think we could. We could. I mean, you know, I, I think I've I've said it's it's a golden age, a, a renaissance coming. And it's led by pitching, but now the hitting is starting to catch up. Yeah. The hitters have gotten better. They're now – everything has gotten on an even playing field now where, you know, with the PEDs out of the game like they are, pitching was going to immediately take precedence, but the hitting is going to catch up somewhat. I don't think we're ever going to see the numbers like we saw. No, not certainly again. But the hitting's catching up. I mean, when you've got two guys kind of leading the way in uh, Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, I mean, <laughs> Bryce Harper's 22 years old. Trout's 23? I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, they're disgusting. Five years before their prime. Neither of them are even really close to their prime yet, what what should be their prime. And they're they're filthy. And then you you add in, I mean, look at the home run derby. Todd Frazier, Josh Donaldson, um, Jock Peterson. Jesus Christ, Jock Peterson. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Really good. Um, You know, you've you've got all these other guys, you know, Young athlete baseball is becoming young and athletic, and that's a good thing because baseball, even with the with the big run numbers, 
baseball had become a little big, bulky, and slow. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting young and athletic and explosive again. I just, oh, it, they've got to find a better way to get eyes on the product. But I just believe if they can get eyes on the product, that you'll be able to keep eyes on the product. It's just you have to find the way to get them there initially. And, you know, I sent you an article yesterday talking yes, about Bryce Harper. A very good one. Um, and it was out of the Washington Post. And I think, you know, part of what they talked about was the marketing of baseball players. There, There is one Major League Baseball player that makes more than $4 million a year on uh, endorsements. Mm-hmm. And he said it's Ortiz, right? Yeah, four, yeah, he's the only one over $4 million, I think. And, and Ortiz is a 39-year-old slow <laughs> DH. Um, it's going to be guys. It's going to be Bryce Harper. It's going to be Mike Trout. And, you know, hey, you're seeing those two a lot more. You know, Trout, of course, famously, you've seen him in the Subway ads. Um, you know, Harper was just on the cover of the uh, the ESPN, the body yes. issue. In which, you know, that, that story really covered where – he made the comment that, you know, he worked out basically like a demon for about three weeks getting ready for it. And I just thought it was really interesting, his eating habits. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the last week, basically, he drank just raw juice. And then for the last three days leading up to it, all he drank was water. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he was, literally on the last day, he was swishing water in his mouth. <laughs> and not salt even water. Salt. salt water. Yeah, salt water. And, and, you know, you're like, oh, you know, he's a vain asshole. No, but he was saying, you know, part of me, I wanted to show the world that this is the new breed of baseball player. Mm-hmm. We're athletes. You know, we're cut up and we can look awesome. And because we look awesome, you know, um, we can, you know, it's an athletic game now. It's not just, you know, 260-pound guy with, a, with his gut hanging over his belt <laughs> going up and hitting a three-run homer. And spitting a wad of tobacco on the way around the base pass. It's not that anymore. And Harper is kind of the poster boy of the new generation. And Trout is the epitome of the new generation. Mm-hmm. And if we can get more guys on that level with that build, with that kind of style of playing the game, baseball will be fine. Oh, yeah. You've just got to find the viewership and you've got to find a way to keep people into watching it. You got to which, which baseball has not grown and done. Home Run Derby helped. And Home Run Derby can help a lot because that is one night where people are going to watch. So you've excited them with that. So hopefully then, you know, you can get them excited to watch some actual games. You know, God, I got to see this. Yeah. I got to see this guy, Todd Frazier. Did you see all those bombs he hit? I got to watch the Reds play a game. Mm-hmm. You know, I gotta watch the Dodgers. I gotta, you know, I gotta watch. Oh man, they said Bryce Harper's better than all of them. I gotta see the Nats. So, I tell you what, we'll do. We're gonna. I think once we get done with the pod, we're gonna get Des to uh, tweet out that link to that Washington Post article you're referring to because I think it's a really, really good read uh, for anybody who's interested in the the marketing aspects of the game. And I think you made an interesting point. I think Bryce Harper is a vain asshole. Uh, I don't think that truly matters anymore, uh, and no. I don't mean that as in he's a bad guy. I just, but I think he is. I think he is very vain, but I think he's 
doing it for the right reasons, if that makes any sense. Well, I mean, dude, when you are on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16 and you are basically dubbed the next big thing. True. When you go to college at 16 <laughs> and dominate. Yeah. Um, he is a cocky dude. But you know what, Ed, as we, as we know, because you and I both grew up around the game of baseball, you know, aren't the best players usually a little cocky? Yeah. Usually at least a little. Don't they kind of carry themselves with that swagger? David Ortiz would never say something like that. (laughs) I mean, even at the high school level. Man, Brian Gilman and Tyler Joyner, who we saw very much of, they didn't carry themselves a little different than others, did they? No. No. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, you can hate on Bryce. But, hey, here's the deal. We're going to talk so raw. We're going to talk wrestling later. If you want to, let Bryce Harper be the biggest heel in baseball. Tune in so you can watch somebody stroke his smarmy ass out. What a work. There's a damn good chance he's going to hit a ball 420 feet in, in between you watching it. <sighs> there you go. If, if, could Mike Trout be the white meat baby face American? He's meat? John Cena. <clears throat> Trout can be Cena. Harper can be Kevin Owens. Oh, this is amazing. Oh. We've just done it. We've done it. We've melded my favorite things ever, baseball and wrestling. we got to push this for SummerSlam. Harper Harper versus Trout at SummerSlam. It's true. That's what we should rename the Home Run Derby. We should rename it SummerSlam. (laughs) I think Vince McMahon may have a few problems with that, but hey. You know, he's he, hey, he's willing to take a check from you at any days. <laughs> he's also willing to uh, make sure his announcers talk about the very most specific details. We won't go into that. Uh, instead, what we'll do is we'll take one minute and discuss who's going to win the Open Championship in golf. Wes, who's your pick? Jordan Spieth. Case closed. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Until proven otherwise. Why not take Jordan Speed? Uh, no reason not to, I think, at this point. A lot of great players in this field. Rory looking to dominate in his own country. But, yeah, uh, I, I, I think it's I think it's going to be Speed. I think he's right now just... Remember, uh, Rory, Rory got hurt. Oh, that's true. He won't be in this because he was, like, playing soccer or something. Yeah, no, it's worth some ligaments in his ankle. So Rory's out. Rory's out indefinitely. Yeah. yeah. America's sport of the future. I think uh, I think Rory is the heel of golf right now. So has to be. He's a big time heel. He's European too. All they hate Europeans. And he's a United fan. Yeah, I hate him for that. So yeah, um, we're gonna hit the zeitgeist now uh, with one story. I feel like this is gonna be our dumb football story of the week. Um, coming to us as as most seem to right now, coming to us from the great state of Florida. When uh, Florida State President John E. Thrasher. We're just going to start calling it the Florida Fucked Up Story of the Week, which I did on Facebook for a good six months with just regular Florida news stories. It's true. Um, he, he met with the uh, Seminoles football team as well as Coach Jimbo Fisher on Monday night. And in that meeting, he, quote, told his players in light of recent off field incidents. I guess that's what we're calling them. I reiterated to our players that they simply cannot put themselves in situations that reflect poor behavior or cause harm to others. The actions of a few, okay, have their capacity to do serious damage to the reputation of our entire university, which I don't potentially agree with because, as we know in the media, 
to be uh, libelous or slanderous, it has to be proven untrue. I don't think anything you can say about Florida State's reputation would be proven untrue at this point. Does I this told- guy think Florida State have a positive reputation? I mean, dude, give them the program. I told them their coaches, the Athletics Administration, and I will do all we can to support them and help them learn the values we expect them to uphold, but they will be held accountable for their actions. <laughs> so, of course, this comes after uh, we mentioned DeAndre Johnson leaving the school last week after punching a woman in a bar on campus. Also last week, uh, running back Dalvin Cook was suspended indefinitely. He was the team's leading rusher last year. He was charged with misdemeanor battery by the state's attorney's office. A 20-year-old woman told Tallahassee police that Cook punched her several times during an argument outside Clyde's and Costello's bar in downtown Tallahassee on June 23rd. This story coming to us from Mark Schlabach from ESPN.com. Uh, Wes, this is the thing. He keeps saying about this prestigious reputation that they have. Your reputation right now is that your players beat women. That's what it is. What? What? It, what you got to say something more than this, right? I mean, what sterling reputation are we talking about? This is a, this is a university that for the last 20-plus years... Everybody has sat there saying, yeah, you know they're cheating like hell. I mean, this is Free Shoe University. Exactly. This is Free Shoe U. Uh, Steve Spurrier, 20 years ago, dubbed them Felony State. <laughs> and not much has changed. Right. Um, you know, Florida State have always lived on that line um, where they brought in extremely talented individuals. And a lot of them had really, really checkered backgrounds. I mean, yeah, this is a school that admitted Randy Moss. Yep. After Notre Dame had said, no way, we're not taking you, because he had gotten into a massive fight at his high school. Yeah. Florida State, well, hey, he can play. We'll take you. And the then they eventually had to kick him off. The school you of know, second chances. I mean, this is not – it's not like suddenly, oh, Florida State's just doing horrible things. They're in the news. I mean, uh, don't forget, uh, you know, Peter Warwick and Lavernius Coles back in the 90s. You know, these are the guys who were going in and getting the five-finger discount at Dillard's. How could we forget that? Um, you know, it, there are just so, so many examples of where they have gone wrong at Florida State. You, you, you know, I actually think, hey, lately they've been more or less – upholding the reputation of Florida State. Yeah. I mean, if they want to get down to it, you know, but we don't want this to hurt our reputation. Hell, they're living up to the reputation. Exactly. It's it's outlaw. It's an outlaw program. And, and trust me, folks, I'm not a moralist. I'm a Miami fan. Yes. <laughs> I'm a Hurricane fan, so I'm not trying to get moral on you here. But don't try to give me some laughable bullcrap that, oh, this is hurting our reputation. Your reputation has been shit for 20 years. That's true. That's not, to, that's not to say you don't play great football. It's not to say that you don't have some good kids because it's never like that. Everyone has good kids. Mm-hmm. They're called walk-ons and academics. <laughs> and punters. Um, but, you know, just don't don't try – it's Doc what's Holliday, it's what's happened with this win at all costs mentality, and well, that's what the president. Doc, Doc, Doc Holliday said in Tombstone many years ago, "My hypocrisy um, <laughs> has its bounds." 
<laughs> and, I mean, right there, you know, Florida State, the hypocrisy obviously has no bounds here um, because there's no way this guy can say with a straight face or looking at himself in the mirror that, you know, you have some sterling reputation to uphold. Yeah, it's 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 what's happened with this school going – and not just this school, but a lot of schools going to this sort of win-first mentality – and, and now, now you're seeing what happens when you do that. And I, and again, we've mentioned on the podcast, we're all for giving kids second chances, but you have to know the red flags are there. You have to be able to uh, be able, not I don't want to say control them, but you have to make sure they're doing the right things and staying out of places where they could lead to trouble. Maybe being in a bar on the off season isn't where they should be. Uh, and I, I hate saying that because these are college kids, but. If you were Florida State and you have this reputation, instead of just saying, oh, well, playing football at school is a privilege, not a right or whatever, actually take steps to prevent these kind of things from happening. Put your money where your mouth is. And so far, you're not doing that. And until you do that, your reputation is going to stay like this. And it's not a positive one. And I'm going to tell you this. I think Florida State, they almost need to uh... – you know, they need to be the ones who are proactive here. Yes, absolutely. If you're, ha- if you're having a problem with uh, your players not being able to keep them ha- their hands to themselves, you know, maybe, maybe these schools, you know, you need to be working these kids as soon as they come in. You know, and, and I mean, here's the thing. A lot of these kids come from really bad socioeconomic backgrounds. They've seen, they've been around and seen stuff Ed, that you and I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Truly, we can't. And, and in in my job, you know, with my job, I actually, I see some of the stuff every day. Mm-hmm. I see some of the backgrounds that some of these kids come from, and it's not a pretty thing. But they need to know from the day they come on campus, and you don't need to say, you don't need to make it general. You don't need to say, guys, don't do what you're not supposed to do. You need to sit down and say to them, if you put your hands on a female you are gone and you're probably going to jail for it. Mm-hmm. We will not tolerate you putting your hands on a female. And that one, of course, as you know, because we've talked about it from our silly NFL stories for the last eight, nine months. To me, that is the ultimate sin at this point. Yes. Yo, know, personally to me, there is nothing short of a woman pointing a gun at my head that is going to make me hit a woman mm-hmm. and trust me folks i'm married you think my wife doesn't piss me the hell off sometimes because she does you think i wouldn't like to maybe take a swing at her every now and then <laughs> because i would but you know what folks uh, maybe it's the way i was raised but you, you just you don't do that right there's no excuse for it there's no excuse in the world I mean, every one of those kids, you know, we, we've seen this deal going down at Ole Miss with Laramie Tunzel, the highly rated offensive tackle, mm-hmm. who, you know, they, he's had a police issue for, uh, they say, assaulting his stepfather, but he was doing it to protect his mother. You know, these kids need to think, would I want anyone putting their hands on my mother the way I'm about to put my hands on this woman? Yeah, absolutely. Because if someone did it to my mom, I'd be ready to kill him. Mm-hmm. So why Agreed. should you be able to do it to anyone else? Exactly. Um, you know, it's 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 a sad situation. It's a horrible situation. 
<clears throat> domestic abuse and violence in this country is getting way out of hand. Um, and, you know, at some point you can't blame everyone. Else. You, I mean, at the end of the day, the only person you can blame is, is yourself for throwing the punch. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've seen stuff on Facebook. I kind of got into a Facebook discussion earlier today with someone saying that, uh, you know, I don't understand why he's apologizing. She needs to be apologizing too. And it's like, you know, um, do you not, do you really not understand why he needs to be apologizing? He punched a woman in the face. Yeah. He said, well, you know, she started, you know, she started it and she, you know, she provoked it. And you know what? There was an exit sign at that bar. Yes. And when she was provoking it, he should have found that exit sign Flip her off, do whatever you want, call her a piece of, call, call her anything you want to on the way out the door. But that's where you need to be heading is toward the door and walking out and getting away from the situation. That girl in Tallahassee, Florida, I don't know her name. Do you know her name? I don't. I know DeAndre Johnson's name though. Yeah. Because DeAndre Johnson in that situation, that girl had nothing to lose, but maybe a tooth. DeAndre Johnson had an entire career that he has flushed down the toilet just cause he got pissed off. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this is stuff, trust folks, this is stuff I preach to my nine and 10 year old baseball players. Obviously we're not going quite as deep as this, but we talk about decisions, decisions on the field, decisions off the field, you know, to my nine and 10 year olds. Hey, when the teacher makes you mad, do you really need to talk back to her and end up in detention? Is it, is it worth your hour and a half after school to have to sit in detention? No. <laughs> is it worth you having to come to baseball practice with Coach Wes and run laps? No. What what good did you do for yourself? So, you know, I, I'm, I'm personally, my group, we're trying to instill at an early age self-discipline. The colleges, when you get there, they need to take it to the next step and just say, here specifically is what is unacceptable and you cannot do. Absolutely. It's and that's that's the only way it's going to change is these these they have to be and local parentis they have to be there in place of the parents it is the university's job to exactly. do this and exactly. they're not doing it sitting the team down for a powwow and talking to them about rights and privileges of playing football at the university isn't going to do shit you have to tell them about the real world consequences of what happens yeah. when you do these things and it's not. this is a social thing playing football should literally be the last thing on their mind when it goes to this. This is about being a human being Mm -hmm. and not being a complete piece of scum shit. Mm -hmm. That's what this is about. Because that's basically what you are. I think if you're a woman beater, you're scum shit. So hope we don't lose any uh, listeners over that. But I don't know. think we're going to lose too many. Um, but with that, we are going to head to watch four. Wes, uh, what are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? And I got myself into an interesting little uh, little uh, mini series, mm-hmm. group of mini series that um, I ended up coming across and got to record and watch all of them. It was on the uh, National Geographic channel of all things. Okay. And um, the first one was called The 80s. Okay. The second one, you might be able to guess, was called The 90s. The 90s. Wow. And the third one, strangely enough, was called The 2000s. Shocking. Uh, And it it was a little more in-depth and a little more broad, actually, than your normal 
kind of countdown shows. Mm-hmm. Um, there were there were six. There are six episodes in each series, an hour long each, um, and each one kind of breaks down different kind of different things throughout the decades. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, in the eighties, you had you know the the very first one. We're talking about Reagan being elected. We're talking about you know America coming out of the seventies, which were not a very positive decade. You know, we're talking about uh, inflation. Really interesting as it goes on. Of course, it ends with the greatest thing ever, which is David Hasselhoff single-handedly uh, bringing down the Berlin Wall. Um, absolutely, but but in between, you know, a lot of cool stuff. You know, they taught some sports, they taught music, they taught pop culture, they taught uh, world politics, what was going on at the time. It was it was a really cool one. I got to watch the entire the eighties. Uh, I'm waiting to watch the nineties. I've got that whole one uh, recorded. And the 2000s are currently in the mode of being recorded. I've got two episodes in so far, uh, so it, it's it's just something. To I, I love I love history. I love documentaries. I love shows that fill me in on things that I may have missed. So for me, that's uh, that's been my watch for for the last week and probably the week going forward. Awesome. Uh, I am going to be watching Ant Man this Friday night. Uh, very excited for that. I have, here's the thing. I was kind of on the fence about this movie for a long time. Love Paul Rudd, but just Uh, didn't, didn't really know. I heard from three different people separately on Twitter last night that this is the best phase two Marvel movie, which I believe starts with, uh, after the first Avengers and ends with this one. So this is including guardians of the galaxy. This is including Cap 2, The Winter Soldier. This is including Avengers 2. Apparently, this is better than all of them. And I think Guards of the Galaxy is one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's fantastic. Um, <clears throat> so I have very high hopes now for this movie for no reason. I have gone from minimal hype to explosive hype of this movie. So I'm very excited to go watch Paul Rudd uh, do his thing this Friday night in Ant-Man. My watch for, though, is going to be, uh, I believe it's a movie I haven't talked about yet. Uh, they Came Together? I, I haven't talked about that, right? Uh, that sounds like a movie that may be up in my closet somewhere, but okay. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, this one also does, though, have Paul Rudd in it. Uh, it's him and Amy Poehler and a lot of people. Did you ever see the Wet Hot American Summer movie, Wes? Oh my god, I did. And by the way, you know that's going to be yes. on Netflix, right? Yes, I do. Uh, it's going to be so magical. Um, but a lot of that cast and a lot of those writers, a lot of that grouping is actually in this movie. And sort of how Wet Hot American Summer is sort of, uh, kind of a send-up of summer camps, I guess. Uh, this is a send-up sure. of romantic comedies. And <clears throat> it was absolutely great. Some great <coughs> excuse me, moments in it. Uh, Christopher Maloney is in it, just like he's in Wet Hot American Summer, and has just a great little bit in it about a halfway through. It, it's just fantastic. Uh, some parts fall a little flat. If Don't watch the trailer, because um, it will actually spoil a few of the better jokes in the movie. Uh, so I wish I hadn't watched it. If you like Wet Hot American Summer, if you like those kinds of movies, you will like They Came Together. It also is, comes in at like a tidy 80 minutes. So it's definitely no time commitment there as far as movies go. So if you have a moment, check it out. It's on Netflix. Really good. Again, it's called They Came Together. 
And yes, as Wes alluded to earlier, that is probably a reference to that sort of thing. Um, people in the know will get that one. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, really, really great. So go check that out. Wes, from They Came Together. Well, now hold on, hold on real quick before we go, since we are on Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah. We we I guess we do need to we do need to see that Netflix series coming out. It's I believe end of the month. End of the month it comes out. Man, I'm I'm really kind of jacked for that. Hey, we get that we get that at the end of the month. In two days, we're getting BoJack Horseman season two, which I know you didn't like season one. So whatever. You, you and Clint can enjoy all the BoJack Horseman. Oh, I will. Movies. I will. It's really good. All I'll right. talk about that in a couple weeks. BoJack Horseman. <laughs> It was the mainstay of the all-new sports show of the show. What are you talking about? Oh, my God, Ed. By the way, uh, Mexico, who were cruising, they and Trinidad and Tobago ended up drawing it 4-4. Four to four. <laughs> CONCACAF Thunder! Seven second-half goals. What? And Trinidad and Tobago claimed the Group C crown. Awesome. That was, oh which, is, which is why... In the first round coming up here and the knockout stage, Costa Rica will be playing Mexico. <laughs> totally. Oh, my God, Mexico. Oh, the border was definitely open, wasn't it? <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Speaking Ooh. of so raw. <laughs> Speaking of borders being crossed, so raw. Oh, man, what a night, Ed. It is the go-home show for Battleground. And we had some really cool stuff uh, highlighted with another for, for about the third week in a row on Raw. Um, we are given a Match of the Year nominee. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But we are now set for Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship coming up Sunday night. Uh, Rollins will be all by himself because as Raw ended, Brock Lesnar, who last week took out J&J Security, Took them completely out of commission. This week, I think he broke Kane's leg. Oh, no. And he did it with the steel steps. Um, WWE made a huge mistake in showing the, uh, air quote, breaking of the leg uh, in slow-mo. Uh, because in normal motion, you couldn't really see Brock turn the, uh, turn the step sideways and actually completely miss everything. But in slow-mo, you could pick up every grueling, gut-wrenching, nanosecond of it so um it's the jason yeah. kendall Remember, ankle injury again yeah who uh, yeah the except the exact opposite yes <laughs> the exact opposite of the jason kendall uh ankle injury uh <laughs> uh but anyway uh what do we have a raw money night raw was good man it was good stuff um mm, uh the moment that popped everyone uh the debut of three new Divas! Uh-huh. And of course, when I say Divas, Ed, I'm talking the big three from NXT, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Sasha Banks, all making their regular roster debuts. Uh, I don't know what we're going to get at Battleground with them. I guess we'll have to find that out on SmackDown on Thursday night. But you have three of the absolute best female wrestlers in the world who have just been putting on main event quality matches on NXT Coming to the main roster, finally getting a chance to do it in front of the big crowds. Um, Charlotte, of course, uh, she's kind of the most famous one out of it because her father is the legendary nature boy. Woo! 
Ric Flair. And she is named Charlotte because she grew up in Charlotte. <sighs> Clever. Actually went, went, went to Providence. Very good volleyball player in high school. Oh. Very good volleyball player at uh, Charlotte Providence. Um, so that was at the nine o'clock hour that popped everybody at nine. That was awesome. Really, really awesome. Um, of course, okay. We talked a little bit about Rollins and Lesnar that's set up for this week. Now for your match of match of the night, definitely potentially match of the year. Uh, John Cena, of course, we know that he's going to be facing Kevin Owens, uh, at battleground coming up this Saturday, this Sunday night on the WWE network. Um, United States heavyweight title will be on the line. John Cena, as he does every week, though, came out and uh, put the title on the line with the U.S. Open Challenge. This week, Ed, the challenge was accepted by uh, an old Cena nemesis in Rusev, who was returning from a legitimate ankle injury. Uh, His first match back, Rusev, if you remember was the man that John Cena actually won the United States Championship from. Mm -hmm. Well, when this happened, Kevin Owens was none the too happy because, as he said, if anyone's taking the title off John Cena, it's going to be him. So he came down and started arguing with Rusev, and then all of a sudden we had our third set of uh, music pop, and it was Cesaro who the last two weeks has put on just phenomenal matches with John Cena, and he said that he deserved another shot. So, Ed, what we got during the commercial break. Sorry, I thought I crushed the cat for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) So I closed the door and heard a meow and, oh, God, the cat's stuck in the door. Um, We got a triple threat match with the winner to immediately face John Cena afterwards. The triple threat match was so magnifique, just amazing. Because you had three amazing wrestlers, Ed, and that's something that's gotten lost in wrestling over the years, is the ability to put on a good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rusev, um, Cesaro, Kevin Owens, all three just fantastic in the ring. And a match that went a good 25 minutes. Um, Rusev ends up beating Cesaro, uh, but he is completely beat up after the match and then has to face John Cena. Brutal. Well, John Cena is having his way with him. Well, all of a sudden, Rusev... Rusev got the advantage, popped John Cena into his finisher called the Accolade. And just as John Cena was about to tap out for the first time ever, here comes Kevin Owens, kicks Rusev in the side of the head, breaks it up. Match goes to a disqualification. And Owens once again finishes it by saying that if anyone's going to beat John Cena, it's going to be him. So we are now set up. Owens, Cena, Battleground, amazingness is on the way and what's really cool is now you have these other two guys who are great performers they're right there in the storyline so this has a lot of different ways it can go in the next month leading up to SummerSlam as as it was meant to be and Ed of course at the conclusion of Battleground that officially kicks off the March to SummerSlam your most exciting time of the year it really is. I can't wait to see who will be uh, pushing in the month to come here. Uh, it's going to be really, really great. I uh, obviously, it's, uh, obviously, it's Harper and Trout. So. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, Harper versus Trout steel cage match. Um, that is going to do it for So Raw and episode 63 of the all-new Sports of the Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening this week. If you want to get us on the social media, you can at All-New Sports Show. Wes, you are. 
I am at Wes Bradshaw 21. Love the pause. I am at Edward Green. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We're on Periscope. We'll do something interesting next weekend in Charlotte. Uh, email us, onlysportshowgmail.com. Send your letters and parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. Join us next week. We'll have another action-packed episode. Plenty more Gold Cup to talk about, including we might even have a few words on this 4-4 Mexico draw that just ended a few minutes ago. That's blowing our minds as we speak. Uh, we'll also, of course, uh, be talking more transfer news. We'll be doing Premier League grades for teams 10 through 1. Our Manchester City grades may shock you. Uh, that is going to be our little tease for that. Plenty more to come as well. Uh, Wes, before we get out of here, anything to say? And, uh, of course, as you have told the folks, we're going to be heading to Charlotte to see Paris Saint-Germain take on Chelsea. Uh, Of course, we're going for one reason, and that's to uh, worship at the altar of Zlatan. Yes. Uh, And hopefully get Zlatan to do a bumper for the all-new sports show. Which would be awesome. Um, Which I don't care what language he does it in, and he may be cussing us out. I don't know. (laughs) I don't care. Doesn't matter. As long as he will do something for the all-new sports show, we'll be just fine. But, Ed, after that, as I look in the distance, Ed, it's almost like I can see a faint light rising above the trees here in eastern North Carolina. Because, Ed, the Friday night lights are fast approaching. High school football is right around the corner. Folks, as much as we love our soccer, we love talking our soccer, bringing it to you every week, talking about Raw and baseball and, you know, what we're watching on TV, the all-new sports show was originally built around high school football. It was. And that is still the most exciting point of the year for us. Yeah, coaches' interviews start the next couple weeks. We'll be breaking down all 12 teams in our coverage area. Uh, So join us for that on live editions of the all-new sports show, The Show, coming up here in a couple weeks. Those will be fun. And that will lead right into our high school season where we'll be going at least 13 weeks at least 13 weeks of football. Uh, Folks, all, you, all, you, all you folks in the non-American countries listening to us, uh, we know we have a huge following in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Yep. You guys are going to love Jeff Craddock. Oh, an amazing man. You'll have to check out our Facebook page for interviews we've so done. So excited to see JC soon. I cannot wait to see JC. It's a beautiful man. Love his guns. Uh, but that'll do it for episode 63 of the all-new sports show, the podcast. From McCall, West Bradshaw, for producer Des, I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for checking us out here this week. Have a tremendous week coming up. And go, go, USA in the Gold Cup. Hopefully, Altidore means more goals. Yay. Good night, Latvia. Latvia, they're one of they're one of the Eastern European countries that hasn't been invaded yet, 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 yet. It's gonna happen, probably. I'm gonna blow them up soon enough. Don't worry. Oh,